0: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals.
1: Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness.
4: I'm Nikki Druce. And I'm Cheryl Hull. And this is Killers, Colts and Queens. The podcast where we're going to talk all about the spookiest, scariest and damn right weirdest corners of the world. In this episode, we're looking into one of the strangest places on earth,
1: the Bermuda Triangle.
4: Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. <laughs> Not in the triangle. There's so many fish we haven't discovered yet. I
1: know, and why do they all look really terrifying?
4: Never judge a book by its cover, Nikki Droves.
1: Are you ready?
4: Look, I've got my passport, I've got my plane ticket, I'm ready to fly.
1: Killers, Cults and Queens, the show where we take you on a journey into the darkest corners of the world. Today, we're looking into the strange disappearances around the Bermuda Triangle. Is it aliens? Is it Atlantis? Well, we're going to explore all the possibilities and theories and see if we can get to the bottom of it. But before we do that, how have you been, Shazzy?
4: Well, to our very attentive, avid listeners, uh, you can probably tell that we are recording remotely currently because we are both busy busy gals yes 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 i'm on tour right now and unfortunately we can't be in the studio but i'm all good i am very well Uh, i'm for the first time in about two years i'm actually taking very good care of myself and eating eating well taking my vitamins but more importantly how are you doing because i know you're not too great right now my Nikki.
1: I'm not I'm not fantastically well as you can probably tell by my sexy
4: voice, right? But it's turning me on.
1: <laughs> I've picked up a, a nasty cold and yeah, I'm not I'm not feeling fantastic, but um I'm good. I think I'm excited about today's story, so I think we're going to be all right, but yeah, I have have got a little uh, cheeky breakfast hot toddy which has got a little bit of whiskey in it, so it might get a little bit interesting throughout this episode. <laughs>
4: Hey, we we are unconventional workers and in our unconventional work, we do unconventional things. So we're breaking the norms of society and we are having hot toddies, even though I don't like hot drinks. Do you not like hot drinks? Oh, I I detest them. No. I absolutely detest them. How did I not know this And I'll tell you for why. I will tell you for why. Because I just cannot swallow hot drinks.
1: Oh. Is it because it's like, I don't know, does it feel a bit like you're like... I think sometimes when you've got hot drinks, it feels a bit like food. No. Nah. Is that kind of the sensation that you get or is it just like, it, bleh, you don't want No, like it? it's
4: just too hot. It like scolds me. Even when it's like oh. lukewarm, I still can't have it. So like the only time I have to be on the brink of like frostbite and then I'll have a hot drink. But look, there'll be snow on the ground and I will still have an iced latte.
1: No. Oh, I'm going to have to remember that because otherwise I would be bringing you nice little hot drinks and you'll be like, no, I don't want that. Thanks.
4: (laughs) It'll be it'll be the end of the studio session. I'll be like, oh, thanks, Nikki. And I'll guzzle the whole thing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so um, today's episode, we're going to be doing something quite fun. So have you heard of the
4: Bermuda Triangle? I have indeed. All I know is there's an air of mystery around it where nobody knows what has happened, what goes on, but things go missing.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a a bit of a spooky theory ridden one today. Well, stow away your tray tables, armrest down, blinds up, put your seats in the upright position and buckle your seatbelts because we're in for a bumpy ride
4: make sure you put your oxygen mask on first before you
1: help others (laughs) it's a cool crisp morning on the 5th of december 1945 in fort lauderdale florida a group of avenger torpedo bombers have just left for an overwater navigation training flight their training assignment navigation problem number one The mission called Flight 19 was to fly out over the Atlantic Ocean, practising their bomb dropping and navigational skills. At first, everything was going according to plan, but as time went on, the five aircraft carrying the 14 men failed to return. They had vanished into thin air. Calling in the cavalry, 13 airmen jumped in their planes and took off from the Naval Air Station in Banana River to rescue the men from Flight 19. Also, never to return again. In just two days, a murky and mysterious part of the ocean called the Bermuda Triangle had claimed almost thirty lives. But how and why is this area of the world still so mysterious? Let's find out.
4: No, I want to find out. Let's go, Dicky. I'm eager.
1: We're, we're not stopping for any idle chat here today. We are straight into the episode. Well... <laughs>
4: I'm not going to lie, I feel like Bermuda is one of those things that people talk about all the bloody time, but there's never an answer. No, no, it's... But there probably still isn't an answer.
1: No, well, well, we'll find out throughout the episode. I'm Obviously. not, not going to crash the end there. <laughs> but yeah, it's going be, gonna to be an interesting one because there's just so many different theories on this and I think you're going to enjoy exploring every single one of them because some of them get quite
4: crazy. Look, I've got my map, I've got my backpack, you can call me Dora the Explorer. I'm ready to explore.
1: Okay, so first of all, what is the Bermuda Triangle? Well, also known as the Devil's Triangle, it's an area of the Atlantic Ocean roughly bounded by Puerto Rico, Miami and of course Bermuda. Bermuda, yes, is actually an island. It's a good old-fashioned British overseas territory in the North Atlantic Ocean with a population of just over 60,000 people. Fun fact, it's famous for its pink sandy beaches at Elbow Beach and Horseshoe Bay. Oh, I want to go. I know, it sounds lovely, doesn't it?
4: Oh, I'd love to be on a beach.
1: Yeah, I could do with that right now. If I could just lie on a little sun lounger, I think I'd probably feel 10 times better.
4: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. But, you know, here we are. Rainy England.
1: Here we are, drinking whiskey in the morning in in, in, in a London flat.
4: <laughs>
1: anyway, the actual Bermuda Triangle is huge. Its stretch is somewhat disputed amongst sea scholars, but its estimated coverage is between 500,000 and 1 million square miles. So, pretty big. Now, even though ships have been going missing in that area for hundreds of years, the actual term, the Bermuda Triangle wasn't actually coined until 1964, when journalist Vincent Gatus wrote about the strange disappearances over the years in Time magazine. In that stretch of ocean alone, countless numbers of ships and aircraft have met their demise, leaving scientists puzzled as to what could possibly be bringing all that tech down. In fact, an average of four planes and 20 boats are said to vanish in the Bermuda Triangle every year, with absolutely no explanation.
4: That's just mad. Like, it's such a
1: huge number.
4: I look. My first initial reaction was just literally just like, oh, it's where planes just literally go missing, just off the radar. Malaysian Airways yep. one hundred and one. But yep. when it's like everything that falls into the trap of this triangle, or the, the trap of the triangle, <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it's one of those things that you just go. But what is causing this? And I think that's why I'm such a curious person. Because I always want... I want the answer. Yeah. And sometimes we can't just get it. And luckily I'm not like a annoying little brat that's like, No, I need to know! No, I i find
1: as well with this is that it's such a, a strange mystery because it's also such such a huge area as well. Like when I thought of the Bermuda Triangle, I thought of something quite small. But this is actually... Millions of miles big, and I didn't, I didn't realize that. I just thought it was a small, small place.
4: Oh, the Atlantic! It is in the Atlantic, right?
1: Yes, it is the Atlantic.
4: Yeah, the Atlantic Ocean is one of the actually scariest parts of the world. I'm sure we talked about this on the pod before, but I, I am so petrified of oceans.
1: Yeah, that's understandable
4: because you never you like there is so much that the world hasn't explored down there and I saw a TikTok the other day and it showed all the different depths of all the oceans in the world oh no and they, they, they did it to scale yeah so they, they started like the biggest lakes and it was like the height of like the Eiffel Tower and then it would go to like the Burj Khalifa or whatever it is mm. and then it would be like one of the oceans was like 15 of the tallest buildings in the world and I was like Oh, I don't like that. I do not like that.
1: No, it's really scary. And um have, have you ever been swimming out in the sea like away from land or have you like ever jumped off a boat or anything?
4: So I have done I've done a fair bit of snorkeling. Okay. Um obviously to the extremities of where a boat can dock for a bit. Yeah. Um I've seen a few shipwrecks. Oh, that's cool. Recently, well, recently it was in April, but recently we went to Barbados and we did a little catamaran trip and they have two shipwrecks. One is man-made and one is an actual like 1800s boat. And it's so beautiful because it's now just become a sanctuary for fish.
1: Oh, that's lovely.
4: They've just become like their homes. And it's so fascinating just to snorkel and see them all Living their best lives, but I haven't gone anywhere where I feel like I can see, like, dark blue, you know?
1: Yeah, I would be terrified of something just, you know, like, you see sometimes those those made-up TikToks, don't you, where it's, like, the big sea creatures from underneath, and oh, that fills me with so much dread. (laughs) There's so
4: many fish we haven't discovered yet.
1: I know, and why do they all look really terrifying?
4: Never judge a book by its cover, Nikki Drews.
1: Yeah, I know, they might be really snuggly, really, but, you know, with all those teeth possibly not who knows one of the first recorded instances of strange happenings in the bermuda triangle dates all the way back to the 1400s in 1492 columbus sailed the ocean blue explorer christopher columbus was on his way across the atlantic ocean for the first time to discover the new world aka america on his way across the ocean his ship stumbled into the bermuda triangle where he and his crew reported some really strange things. They noted a bunch of weird stuff. First, their compasses began malfunctioning, and then they noticed that the stars appeared to move around in the sky. Then Christopher saw a light that looked like candlelight moving up and down across the sea in the distance. When he tried to show his crew the light, it just kept disappearing and reappearing. They couldn't get a hold of it. They reported that the water in this part of the sea was rougher than it had been in their entire voyage, and there didn't seem to be the weather to explain why it was so choppy. But the weirdest sight he reported was a glowing object coming out of the water and flying up into the sky. Perhaps old Chris reported a very early UFO.
4: Oh my god! We're going to Area 51 again. Straight away!
1: We're getting straight in there this time.
4: I am obsessed. I really am obsessed already with this case because we're we're literally delving into all the things we covered already. This feels like the full circle moment I've been building up to on this poddy.
1: Yeah, I think that that makes sense. It's definitely a hundred percent full circle, isn't it? Oh,
4: I would love, I would love for it to be aliens. That are just controlling the Bermuda Triangle. Could you imagine if they had that power and capability?
1: It could just be their little area, couldn't it? Yeah. But maybe we might dive into a theory about that. Oh,
4: in a short oh! While. oh! oh! This is too much, first thing in the morning. I'm too excited by this one. I like it. It's good. I know, but hey, it's been it's been a long time coming to get me this excited. <laughs> We're getting there now.
1: <laughs> Okay, so flash forward a few hundred years later and more eerie things begin to occur within the Bermuda Triangle. In 1881, the Ellen Austin ship set off from Liverpool to New York, carrying passengers emigrating to the Big Apple. Hello, Chucky! (laughs) The ship and its passengers had been at sea for a few weeks and all was going well until their captain, Captain Griffin, decided to take an unplanned shortcut through the Sargasso Sea, leading the ship and her passengers right into the Bermuda Triangle. Shortly into their unplanned detour, the captain of the ship noticed something a little unnerving. Another ship was sitting in the middle of the ocean, completely abandoned, moving erratically as if driven by a madman. Captain Griffin became convinced it was a trap, so fearing pirates and wishing to keep his passengers safe, They kept a reasonable distance from the ominous abandoned vessel but they stopped and kept an eye on it two days passed and captain griffin was becoming less weirded out and much more curious so he sent some of his crew to go aboard the ship and see what on earth was going on once inside the ship the crew found that the boat was a cargo ship and their suspicions were confirmed it was completely abandoned The cargo was completely intact, and there was no signs of violence or any kind of indication that the boat would have had to have been abandoned. And more importantly, no bodies. It was as if the original crew had simply vanished from existence. Captain Griffin decided to rescue the cargo ship, instructing his men to captain and operate the ship, sailing alongside the Ellen Austin until they got to New York. So the two ships set off side by side to resume their route. But they soon found themselves in a huge storm and got separated from each other. Eventually, the storm passed, and soon Captain Griffin had eyes on the cargo boat. But pulling up alongside it, he noticed that his loaned crew were nowhere to be seen, leaving the boat abandoned once more. Whether he was scared to lose more crew or just pressed for time, Captain Griffin decided to leave the possessed ship and press on to New York where they landed safely but the little boat was never seen again.
4: Oh wow. <laughs> that was It's really creepy that one, isn't it? You know, I never like the stories where it's like there was no form of, like Roanoke, there was no form of life when they arrived. Like how? Yeah. How there has to be some trace. Yeah. That's what's baffling to me. But, look, the story of the tortoise and the hare, shortcuts will never serve you well. It's true. And maybe it was fate bringing them to this ship, but I I don't think they should have done it. I think, I think it was a bad omen.
1: Yeah, I think so too. If you see a little bobbing ship in the ocean and it's clearly been abandoned, it's a little bit terrifying, isn't it? And then to lose the crew again a second time.
4: I'm sorry. That's
1: really scary. I'm
4: not I'm not going to leave a, a safe ship to go board another one just just to appease the captain. Absolutely not. I am the captain in.
1: Well, you got to do it in the ocean.
4: <laughs> well, famously, I'm I'm recording podcasts, not driving a ship.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I I think it's a little bit terrifying that they
4: just, you know,
1: But they managed to lose a second crew. Where did they go? What happened? It's crazy.
4: Tune in next week for Killers, Colts and Queens. In March
1: 1918, the Bermuda Triangle claimed its next big victim, the USS Cyclops. The Cyclops was nearly 550 feet long, had a crew of 306 people, and was carrying around 11,000 tons of manganese ore. Do you wanna have a guess at what manganese ore is? Because I didn't know.
4: Absolutely not. You you go ahead because my brain is frazzled today.
1: <laughs> it's a chemical element used in steelmaking. So there we go. Now you know. You can go down the shop and order it if you want to.
4: Hello, could I have fifteen grams of manganese ore?
1: So you can start your steelmaking company.
4: <laughs> hey, I've got to have a side hustle. Times are hard and friends of few.
1: Yeah, exactly. You've got to pay that heating bill somehow, haven't you? Exactly. So yes, so they they had the 11,000 tonnes of manganese ore and then they uh, they set off from Brazil with that on board. This huge ship was on its way home to Baltimore when it disappeared into thin air. Somewhere on its nine-day journey, the biggest fuel ship in the whole of the US Navy had been snatched by whatever lay beneath the triangle. The last known message from the crew read, weather fair or well. But nothing was ever heard from it again, and no traces have ever been found of it.
4: How devastating that they will never get to see Tracy Turnblad perform Good Morning Baltimore.
1: <laughs> it's not going to happen. They're in the ocean somewhere. But a, uh, a ship that's that size, again, never found any any traces of it.
4: Do you think it was to the scale of uh, Titanic or bigger?
1: The Cyclops was 165 metres long. The Titanic was two hundred and sixty nine meters
4: long. Okay. In my head, I was thinking, Wow, this is gonna be a huge ship. It still is a huge ship. Yeah, it's still pretty for the massive. Time, but maybe maybe because I always measure things in Titanics.
1: <laughs> That's your scale of reference is Titanics.
4: Yes. Especially when it's split in two halves across the ocean bed. Oh, dear.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a big old ship to go missing.
1: Yeah, pretty massive. Bigger than your normal like uh, cargo ship. So yeah, massive. And they didn't find any single trace of it. Terrifying. What is going on there?
4: Do you think they've done plenty of deep sea dives of the Triangle? I'm sure they probably have done
1: some kind of deep dives and things
4: to have a look for stuff. But also, what are they looking for?
1: Whatever lives underneath the Bermuda
4: Triangle. Under the sea, under (laughs) the sea. (laughs)
1: Darling, it's better down where it's wetter.
4: (laughs) Not in the triangle.
1: (laughs) A few decades later, on December the 28th, 1948, a Douglas Dakota DC-3 aeroplane carrying 26 passengers Set off from San Juan Airport in Puerto Rico. It was heading for Miami, but it would never get there. Now, the Douglas Dakota is said to be one of the most reliable aircraft ever designed and built. There were more than 10,000 manufactured, and many are still in use today. Wow. As the planes are well known for being highly reliable, it's hard to understand why it disappeared just 50 miles out from its destination in Florida. It had only 20 minutes of its flight left to go when it vanished. It disappeared right after the captain of the plane left a message letting Miami know that they were 20 minutes away. But interestingly, the message didn't actually go to Miami airport. It pinged to New Orleans, over 600 miles away, causing some to wonder where did the plane go before it vanished into thin air. How could...
4: New Orleans, sorry, I say New Orleans. How do you say it, pro- say it properly for me? I say
1: New Orleans. Okay. Which I don't know is correct or, no, or not.
4: Because my dad has ruined the way that I say it because he, he used to do a lot of business trips to right. America and he would go there and he would always say New Orleans. <laughs> so New Orleans. I can't say it any... I can't say it any other way other than New Orleans. <laughs> but New Orleans to Miami is a big jump. Yeah, they, they would have had to have gone up from Puerto Rico and literally veer around that way. So how on earth was that even possible?
1: And the fact that the message pinged to New Orleans is like, why, why did nobody pick that up and say, hang on a second, they're going to be directed the wrong way? Because if you've got air traffic control, isn't that going to direct them in the wrong direction then?
4: Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't understand what's happened there. That's quite petrifying because your seatbelt signs go on at 20, 20 minutes before the flight yeah. um, starts going down. So, you know, you know, you're almost there. You're almost on tarmac.
1: Yep. You're getting ready, you're putting your sunglasses on, getting your sun cream on.
4: I'm just doing the face. That's the only yeah, thing that's just the face. Showing. That's the
1: important bit. It's the moneymaker.
4: <laughs> I've got a roll neck on and gloves.
1: Perhaps the most infamous disappearance in the Bermuda Triangle is that of Flight 19. On December the 5th, 1945, a group of five Avenger torpedo bombers took off from Fort Lauderdale in Florida to perform a training run. It was a three-hour journey, full of dropping dummy bombs and weaving in and out of the sky, training for combat. It was a journey these pilots had done dozens of times, a routine manoeuvre, and there was no reason to believe it would be any different this time. But shortly after dropping their replica bombs, the planes began to get into a spot of trouble. Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor, a super experienced pilot, started having trouble with his compass. He believed that it was malfunctioning, leading them in the wrong direction. He radios down to another Navy flight instructor who was flying down by the Florida coast to check in. The flight instructor recommended that Charles just fly towards the setting sun. This is actually protocol for a lost plane, by the way, just fly towards the setting sun. But Charles was spooked and totally lost... So, believing that he was somewhere over the Florida Keys, he turned around to try and head towards the Gulf of Mexico. Chillingly, they were actually flying further and further away from land. His men in the other plane radioed over to him to turn back around, but Charles wouldn't and led them back out over the ocean. By this point, they had been in the air for well over three hours, And the crew started expressing their concerns that they wouldn't be able to correct their journey before they ran out of fuel in his final transmission charles told the men that once the first plane dropped below 10 liters of fuel they should all ditch their planes into the sea and use their ejector seats for a greater chance of rescue a few short minutes later the transmissions ended convinced that flight 19 had ditched into the ocean the navy launched a search and rescue mission Two mariner flying boats were immediately sent out into the Atlantic to search for the men. However, just 20 minutes after setting out to rescue the men, the boats mysteriously dropped off the Navy's radar. Neither the 13 crewmen of the mariners, five pilots of Flight 19, nor the wreckage of the planes were ever found.
3: Huh? Oh, I don't like that one.
4: I know! More people! First of all, first of all, Why on earth would you say, oh, let's fly into the distance. Let's fly to the setting sun. Isn't that just a recipe for disaster?
1: Well, yeah, particularly if the sun is going to set out over the sea. That's it. Exactly. Yeah.
4: We in the UK get the sunset first. Uh, uh.
0: Spring is my favourite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor-guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals.
3: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today.
4: Ahead of America. So obviously, they're flying towards us where we're already in darkness. And what's next to us? a big fucking ocean yeah
1: so it's not going to oh. end well is it
4: no do you know why i think they do it because i think they're like ah oh, you're a lost cause bye
1: yeah maybe maybe that's sort of the protocol is that you know you, you fly out over the sea because you are just going to
4: perform a mission where you die i would hate to be on that plane and i'm like turn around. Turn around. Like I know. Turn the wigs around. Like, you just you just got to do what you got to do. And if somebody's not listening to you, then, oh, oh, the sheer panic. I can feel the heart palpitations right now.
1: I know. It's really scary, isn't it? Yeah. Just, you know, you just got to keep following this guy and know that that's it. You are going to end up in the sea somewhere.
4: I don't remember this happening on Top Gun. I don't think it was part of the original storyline. No. No. I haven't seen Maverick. Maybe it's part of that.
1: Oh, maybe. Maybe I haven't seen it either, so possibly. <laughs>
4: Hold my
1: hand.
4: No, we're going off on a tangent. Yeah, that is that is baffling that that has happened. And that's, that's a bit more scary than just a disappearing ship or a, a ship with no crew. That is literally a death mission.
1: Pretty terrifying all round, I think. Now, we could talk about so many planes and ships that have been lost over the Bermuda Triangle. But before we get into theories... I'll leave you with this eerie case. (gasps) Oh, not another one! You know me, I like to give you an an extra little one after after the main theories. (laughs) So we're going to dive into an extra one. All right, then.
4: Go on. Tease me, baby.
1: In December 1967, a 23-foot cabin cruiser called The Witchcraft, which is a very fucking ominous name if you ask me, Left poor in Miami.
4: A recipe for disaster.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really is a recipe for disaster, isn't it? The owner had invited a close friend of theirs out to sail out a little ways into the ocean to enjoy the Christmas lights over the waters of Miami. Which sounds Ooh. absolutely delightful, doesn't it? <laughs> I
4: know. I mean, it's Christmas season and all the lights are up. Yeah. All the lights in here, baby.
1: Yeah, and the thought of just, you know, bobbing around on the ocean, having a little look at the Christmas lights, sounds lovely, doesn't it? Sounds like a
4: catamaran cruise.
1: However, around 9pm that night, the Coast Guard received a distress call. The captain of the cruiser calmly explained that the boat had hit something in the water. They couldn't make out what, and needed to be towed back to land from less than a mile offshore. The captain let the Coast Guard know that this wasn't an emergency and that they would simply fire a flare to let them know exactly where the boat was. Less than 20 minutes later, the Coast Guards reached the point where the call was made, but there was no sign of the witchcraft or the flares. Neither the cruiser or her two passengers were ever seen again.
4: This is the curse of the Bermuda Triangle.
1: Yeah, and so they're bobbing around, having a nice time, having probably a couple of drinkies, hit something, thinking that it wasn't really a big deal, and then that's it, they've gone. Did you say it's a mile off coast? Yeah, less than
4: a mile. I'm sorry, I can sometimes on a clear day see the coast, you know? Yeah. If you're on Dover, you can see France, and that's like, what, 14 kilometres? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For everybody listening at home, I'm really frustrated how a ship literally a mile off a coast can literally go missing. I'm sure there's lights on this boat, right? Yeah, I would have thought so. It's 1967. It's not 1700s. Yeah. So, I mean, bloody Titanic was lit up like a bloody beacon. Yeah. And that was 1912. Oh my God. How can you just not notice a ship a mile away? Yeah. I know my eyesight ain't great, but I would still be able to see it. And to just
1: never be found, like not even a single trace of it, even if it did sink. Surely you would find
4: something. It's not even that deep. No. A mile out from sea. No, you would, yeah. Woo! Sorry. Why am I getting so passionate about this one? I think it's because I'm so weirded out that a, a ship a mile away has just gone missing and nobody can...
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I completely understand it. It is quite frustrating, I think. Because, you know, it seems like a very solvable kind of mystery, doesn't it? But it's a mile away and they've not found them. I just think that's crazy.
4: This is so solvable that Mystery Inc. and Scooby-Doo could solve it.
1: In the mystery machine? Yes. Do you want to start delving into some theories? Because I've got some ideas about what might have
4: happened. I'm going to drink the Alice in Wonderland potion. I'm going to shrink down and let's get into the whole of mysteries.
1: Okay. So, theory number one. Rogue waves. This is probably the most obvious and therefore most boring explanation for the grizzly ends in the Bermuda Triangle. But many scientists and researchers believe that rogue waves are the culprit. A rogue wave is kind of exactly what you think it is. It's an unusually large and unpredictable swell of water, typically twice the size of the waves around it. Now, a few years ago, some scientists at the University of Southampton claimed that the waters of the Bermuda Triangle were particularly prone to rogue waves due to the fact that the storms move in from all sides of the triangle, messing up wave patterns from all angles and creating freak waves. The storms could mess up that part of the sea so badly that waves could reach over a hundred feet in height. That's 30 metres or
4: 528,000 inches. Coming in with the facts!
1: I know. But although this could explain boats going down in the triangle, it doesn't explain how so many aircraft have been wiped out. So, theory two. Go for it. Methane gas. Yeah? Farts. That's what we're saying. Huh? How? So, this may sound funny, but scientists are dead serious when they say that all these horrendous capsizings and lost airships might be down to methane bubbles.
4: (laughs) Sorry. It
1: is funny, (laughs) but it stinks as well. In 2016, a group of scientists from the Arctic University of Norway announced that they had discovered enormous half-mile-long craters at the bottom of the Barents Sea, just off the coast of Norway. The craters had been caused by the sudden explosions of deep underwater deposits of methane. While scientists can't actually get close to the ocean floor of the Bermuda Triangle, they hypothesise that large underwater explosions could be the cause of the seriously choppy waters. And again, I can see how this would take down a boat or two, but countless planes... How is it getting the planes? I don't think that's possible.
4: Yeah, and I don't think that's very fair to put on somebody's death certificate. Death by methane. Yeah, death by thoughts. Yeah. It's not very. It's not very fair. You want you want justice for these missing people, and death by Trumps. Oh no, no, I won't say Trumps because he's a bastard. Um, death by death by uh, pops. Death by toots. Death by pops. Yeah. Um yes. It's not very nice for them. They deserve the justice. But it, again, I'm sorry. It's all well and good. This being a very valid scientific justification for boats, but we've talked about a lot of planes so Nikki, please tell me the next theory is to do with the planes
1: number three magnetic forces
4: okay now we're getting there now we're cooking
1: like old chris found out back in the 1400s the bermuda triangle seems to be one of the only places on earth where compasses have trouble pointing true north Some theorists argue that the agonic line, the point where magnetic north and true north are aligned, actually passes through the Bermuda Triangle, resulting in a chaotic phenomena that causes compasses to go haywire, sending pilots and captains to their deaths. The interesting problem with this theory though is that the agonic line actually changes every year. It was, in fact, in the Bermuda Triangle one year, but it now appears to be in the Gulf of Mexico instead. Wow.
4: How? Oh, do you know what? This this earth absolutely fascinates me. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I love it. It's just one of those things that every, no, there's no set thing going on in this world. Everything's always moving and changing and shifting. It's like the continent's moving. Yeah. Fascinating. Do not find?
1: Yeah, I think it's crazy that, you know, there's just, like, a magnetic thing in the middle of the ocean that might possibly, you know, affect stuff. And that we don't really know what it is. We kind of know what it is, but it might move around a bit and we don't really know what the effects of it are. It's like, that's terrifying. It's suddenly
4: in Australia.
1: Yeah, off it goes. <laughs> the next theory is wormholes. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you love <laughs> These are
4: tickling me. You
1: love a good wormhole. <laughs> yeah. Now, wormholes haven't actually been proven to be real, so that's the first flaw in our theory there. Right now, they are the stuff of science fiction. The idea of a wormhole is essentially a space-time shortcut that could potentially, in theory, facilitate time travel. Have you ever watched a science fiction movie where they fold a piece of paper in half and then stick a pencil through it? No. Do you know the kind of thing I mean? No. Well... It's, uh, it's exactly how wormholes are supposed to work. So you travel hundreds or even thousands of miles in the space of a few seconds without even realising it. So it's like point A to point B very, very quickly. Now, scientists are not a fan of this theory, mainly because they claim this is the stuff of fiction. But one man says it's exactly what happened to him when he got into a spot of bother in the triangle. Oh... In 1970, Bruce Gernon, an American pilot, set off for Miami with his dad in their Bonanza aircraft. The flight was going according to plan when, all of a sudden, he claims that he was surrounded by an eerie electric fog. All their navigational equipment started to malfunction as the fog completely enveloped the plane, making it impossible to see, and Bruce thought he and his father were goners. But almost immediately, he found himself a hundred miles ahead of schedule with no explanation and no fog in sight. They arrived in Miami half an hour before they'd expected and couldn't explain it. He said, I didn't believe in time travel or teleportation until it happened to me. He even wrote a book about his experience. It's called Beyond the Bermuda Triangle. True Encounters with Electronic Fog, Missing Aircraft and Time Warps, which is not a very catchy title. Did
4: you say the time warp? Yeah, just a jump to the left. And then a step to the right. Um, yeah. I'm not going to lie. If it was this day and age and you jumped time and you were half an hour early to your airport, you would have to circle for at least an hour and a half because you've missed... Yeah, you would. You're too early for your time slot, you know? Yep. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't float.
1: Yeah, and I think it's um, it's just pretty terrifying to go, like, what's happened in that amount of time? Did he fall asleep? Because that's what I'm thinking. Now, we've got another theory.
4: Oh, yes. Number
1: five, which is water spouts. Ever heard of a water spout?
4: I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here's my handle, here's my spout.
1: Now, even though these sound super cute and not real, or in fact deadly at all... NASA have confirmed that water spouts are actually a thing. According to NASA, water spouts are spinning columns of moist air that form over warm water. So imagine a tornado, but wet.
4: Ooh. Oh, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> During... No, you said it. I have heard of water spouts.
1: During this insane weather phenomenon water from the ocean can reach up to 125 miles per hour nah. and be sucked hundreds of thousands of feet into the air, taking anything that was in the sea with it. No. Nah. Because the Atlantic is off the coast of Florida, the water can be a lot warmer there. So Florida is more prone to them, and also Florida is known for its severe weather, which means water spouts could be responsible for a lot of water vehicle destruction.
4: I've only been to Florida once. I had a good time there, but I also was at Disney several days where it was torrential rain and it was unbearable.
1: Yeah, I've heard that it's uh, you've got to be prepared for all sorts of different kinds of weather because it can be sweltering hot and then just chucking it down and hurricanes the next minute.
4: Not even the poncho could save me.
1: No, I can imagine. Those (laughs) things are so rubbish, aren't they? It's like... Pay $5 for it and it only lasts for five minutes. <laughs>
4: I know. But yeah, I can see how a water spout could be a good theory because obviously that's land, that's land, sea and air.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Definitely does. Okay, and then we've got a pretty crazy one. Are you ready?
4: Let me guess. Aliens.
1: Yeah, there we go. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's always, It's always the aliens. We always look back to the aliens.
1: Yeah, it's always the way, isn't it? Aliens in the Underwater Area 51. <laughs> I told you we'd get there. I told you we'd get there. <laughs>
4: the- <laughs> sorry, that's tickled me. Yeah, well, uh... that's fair.
1: Some believe that the airspace above the Bermuda Triangle is actually a portal for aliens. <gasps> there have been reports of unmoving clouds, no matter what the weather, and like Bruce reported, strange electrical fog. Some have even reported seeing unidentified flying objects in the area. Too big, too small, or too fast to have been made by humans. From this portal, some believe that this is the space aliens use so they can abduct and gather people and the technology they need to conduct research on our species. But they might not be the only ones conducting the research. A German historian and scuba diver... Which is quite a mix of, uh, of, of professions there.
4: I mean, you've got to have a hobby.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a side hustle, I reckon. But which one do you think is the side hustle, the scuba diving or the historian part?
4: <laughs> the historian's the hobby.
1: Okay. So he'd been carrying out his own research and found that there were huge deviations in the magnetic fields off the coast of the Bahamas. He believes that these magnetic field issues are caused by micro wormholes. Micro wormholes that a man-made. His research led him to the conclusion that there is an underwater Area 51. Now, there is actually an underwater test facility owned by the US Navy. It's called the Atlantic Undersea Test and Evaluation Centre, or AUTEC for short. They use the space to conduct research about underwater warfare. Some believe that this space is in fact underwater Area 51, full of underwater stargates to other realms.
4: Oh, oh, okay. That's my number one theory already.
1: Yeah, you into that one.
4: I'm into it because I love it. I love it. (laughs) I want to go to this underwater place.
1: See, the thought of going that deep underwater. Oh, no. No, thank you. No, thank you. But if ORTEC isn't underwater Area 51, maybe it isn't even testing out underwater warfare. Maybe it's investigating something else. Yes, this brings us to our final and fan favourite theory, that underneath the Bermuda Triangle is the lost city of Atlantis. Now, the legend of Atlantis was created by Plato, a Greek philosopher who lived from around 420 BC to 340 BC. And I will never understand why numbers went backwards in those days. (laughs) I don't
4: understand. It was back then. This is now. Exactly.
1: The story originally appeared in his works Timaeus and Critias, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing those correctly, so sorry if I'm not. A collection of works based around the human condition. His story of Atlantis was supposed to teach a lesson about the destruction and downfall of a cocky society. Sound familiar? Plato even said himself that the story had been passed down over thousands of years, leading some people to believe he was actually telling a true story. The founders of Atlantis were said to have been half god and half human. They created a utopian society and became a great naval power. Their home in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean was made up of a vast collection of islands that were linked by a canal that led to the capital. The lush green islands were said to have contained gold, silver and other precious metals, including powerful crystals. It was truly a place of wonder. But the people of Atlantis had become too powerful and had started to get petty, greedy and morally bankrupt. Again, sound familiar? Mm -hmm. The gods became angry that the half-god, half-people had lost their way and given in to their more human side. So as punishment, the gods sent one terrible night of fire and earthquakes that caused the whole of Atlantis to sink into the sea. Interestingly, now this is your full circle moment here, so I hope you're ready. I'm buckled. It was Charles Berlitz the guy who wrote one of the exposés on Area 51, who first claimed that the lost city of Atlantis was responsible for the shipwrecks and plane crashes in the Bermuda Triangle.
4: I love a full circle moment.
1: Their main argument is that the technology developed by the Atlanteans, including their crystal energy technology, which is like an early form of electricity, is still active on the seafloor, causing all sorts of mechanical and electrical malfunctions in the boats and planes above.
4: I love this theory. I know I've said I love a lot of things in this episode, but these theories have just been getting me going.
1: So is this now usurped your, your love of the alien theory?
4: Yeah, because it's something new for me. And, and it's actually quite plausible in my eyes. Do you think? <laughs> oh, okay, sorry maybe i maybe I'm a dreamer, maybe I'm a believer, maybe I'm a Justin believer, but yeah, I have to say i I do like the idea that it's the city of Atlantis that's causing all this chaos and disruption.
1: Yeah, I like the idea that it's the Atlanteans sitting on the floor with all their crystals, just like ruining all these boats. <laughs> <laughs> And we thought crystals didn't have any power to them.
4: Apparently they do. Oh, I believe crystals have power.
1: Yeah, I do have many on my windowsills at home, having said that. I'm just, you know, I'm one of those people that I'm in for a penny and for a pound. So I figure it's not doing any harm. So if I have them and they work, great.
3: Yeah.
4: Otherwise they just look pretty. So it's fine. And that that should be a selling point in itself. Gorgeous beauty yeah. to the eye.
1: Well, they're still natural things, aren't they? So.
4: Well... Uh, Currently, my ranking for the theories of the Bermuda Triangle are one, Atlantis. Yeah. Two, aliens. Yeah. Three, water spouts. Nice. And four, uh, I don't remember the rest because they're only uh, they're biased. (laughs) They're biased to the sea, and I want to the everyone. Yeah, that's fair enough. I don't blame you. I mean, we'll do a gold, silver, and bronze.
1: I think for me, probably water spouts is the most plausible. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely think so. Then, mm, possibly the magnetic field thing, but seeing as it, oh my moves god, I forgot around. about the
4: magnetic. Yeah, I forgot about the magnetic. Agonic line, yes, that's the one. Yeah, but then they're saying it's always shifting, and how's that explain it for all these years? Yeah,
1: yeah, I understand that. Yeah, and then aliens after that. So there you
4: go. I mean, we've got we've always got to place the aliens because they are our babies.
1: It's true. Our little wee children.
4: <laughs> Our wee babbies.
1: Our wee babbies. <laughs> Theories aside, the Bermuda Triangle is still proving deadly to those who are brave enough to enter. In 2015, the SSL Faro sank with a crew of 33 aboard off the coast of the Bahamas after entering the Triangle's boundaries and with no explanation why. The wreckage was found 15,000 feet below the surface. In 2017, a private jet was at 24,000 feet when it vanished into thin air, disappearing from radar and radio contact with air traffic controllers in Miami. It was never found. And as of December 28, 2020, so pretty recently, the private cabin vessel, the blue and white Mako Cuddy, has been missing after venturing into the Bermuda Triangle. It had 20 people on board, and it still remains a mystery as to what happened to it.
4: Oh, that is devastating.
1: Yeah, it's really sad, isn't it, as well? Because I know, obviously, we've had a bit of a joke around in this episode with lots of the silly theories and things, but, but it's really sad that, you know, even as as recent as 2020 and, you know, sort of within the last what five years um more than that seven years um people are still going missing out there and we have no idea what's going on it's quite quite terrifying
4: at least one of those ships was found yeah
1: so at least that's a little bit of you know of closure for the people but yeah Yeah. if 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 things go missing out there and you never get to find them you just don't know what happened and i think that's that's worse sometimes not having that closure and and knowing what happened to people really quite scary and that was the Bermuda Triangle.
4: Now, I'm not going to lie to you, Nikki. This was a lovely episode.
1: Yeah, it's a, a good, fun one. I have enjoyed myself with this because it's... I I like the episodes where we do lots of little investigations into one big topic. So we have lots of several different stories. Yeah. And then we bring them all together. I quite like that. I think uh, it keeps my little sort of ADHD brain quite quite happy. <laughs>
4: It's our Tapas episode.
1: Yes, yes, the rich Tapas tray of life, which somebody messaged me about when I said that before, and they said it was the best thing they've ever heard. So I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Yeah, go for (laughs) it. So we just have to say the knowledge out there on this topic is vast and much more than we can fit in one episode. So please check out our sources if you want to find out more.
4: Yes, and if you have been affected by any of the topics we've covered in this episode, check out the description box in the episode for more information and helpful resources. Next time on Killers,
1: Cults and Queens.
4: We're uncovering a cult leader who really takes the biscuit for being the absolute worst. Oh God.
1: Yeah, and this is unlike anything you've ever heard of before. It's the Ant Hill Kids.
4: Sounds fun, but I know for a fact it's definitely not going to (laughs) be. Subscribe or follow to make sure that you never miss the next episode of Killers, Cults and Queens. And if you have a case or a story you'd like us to explore, then get in touch at Killers, Cults, Queens. See you next time. And don't be a
1: killer or join a cult, or definitely don't go to the Bermuda Triangle.
4: Just be a fabulous queen. Goodbye.